Welcome to PwC's Tax Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Readiness Webcast Series, held on July 11, 2019, covering the Dividend Received Deduction Regulations. The panelists for the webcast were Julie Allen, a partner in PwC's Mergers and Acquisitions Group, Marty Collins, a partner in PwC's International Tax Services Group, Nini Dewar, a principal in PwC's International Tax Services Group, and Aaron Jung, a director in PwC's International Tax Services Group. This excerpt consists of an overview and background of the dividend received regulations. Have a listen. We want to give you an overview and background of these dividend received deduction regulations and then dive a little deeper into the extraordinary dispositions and extraordinary reduction rules. And so maybe to start that off, Nini, will you kick us off and just give us a background to these temporary regs? Sure. Thanks, Julie. So the the regulations um, was issued in uh, on June 14 of this year and just in time before the end of the 18-month period um, from when the TCJA was enacted in on December 22nd. Um, and the, the temporary regulations basically uh, limit the, the dividend received deduction under Section 245 Cap A and the CFC look-through exception to subpart F income under Section 954 C6. The, the regulations basically uh, noted that, uh, the preamble noted that the, the, the regulations are necessary to, to manage the, the to preserve the structure of the statutory regime uh, governing the, the rules around taxation of foreign earnings, um, including the uh, transition tax of Section 965, subpart F, uh, global intangible, low tax income or guilty, and the, the dividend uh, received deduction under Section 245, Cap A. So the, the rules apply in, in, in with respect to dividend received um, in certain circumstances, and we'll go into details of what is the extraordinary uh, disposition as well as the extraordinary reduction um, uh, instances. But uh, important thing to note here is these temporary regu- regulations uh, have an effective date uh, for distributions uh, that are made after December 31st of 2017. So it has a retroactive um, effective date, so it could impact transactions that have already happened. Um, so you might ask the, the if you you might ask the question of you know how are these regulations impacting me and we're going to go through we're going to touch upon that um, but but key key things to keep in mind is that the, the regulations are effective already so for financial statements for the period ending after the the, the publication um, there could be significant impacts on on um, the various transactions that has already taken place that would have to be booked on the financial statements. And, and in terms of the, the breadth of the, the regulations, um, it could impact transactions that have already happened during what we call the transition period, which we will go through what those uh, really means. Um, and uh, in the deals context, uh, some of the rules, the extraordinary uh, reduction rules could have an impact on the, the, the sales transaction that, that companies may be thinking about, 
or in, in the context of um, acquiring a CFC, you might have to look into the history of the CFC to determine whether there's something that you would have to worry about on, on a going forward basis. So we'll come back to all of these uh, as we go through. Perfect. And Erin, would you just take us through a, maybe an overview now that we've gone in, through the background and overview of these regulations? Sure, Julie. And, and before we dive in, it's probably worth taking a minute um, to talk a little bit about this kind of statutory scheme you mentioned, Nini, uh, the structure of which Treasury thinks um, can, can be preserved through these regulations. And it appears Treasury's view of the world kind of post-TCGA is foreign earnings are generally included in the U.S. shareholders, in, in the U.S. tax base when they're earned, subject to kind of a hierarchy in the statute. And so that hierarchy you know, is first, if those earnings are effectively connected with the U.S. trader business, then great, the ECI rules will apply. Um, if it's not effectively connected with the U.S. trader business, then we ask ourselves, well, are those earnings kind of the kind of mobile or, or, or passive income subject to the subpart F rules, then subpart F applies. Um, if it's not subpart F income, then it's probably going to fall into this global intangible low tax income uh, you know, uh, designation that Nini already described or the guilty rules. And only a little bit kind of what's left, this residual income falls into a category that's eligible for the Section 245 Cap A DRD. And if you think about that approach to our U.S. international rules after TCGA, you know, with Section 245 Cap A serving this role of picking up residual earnings, then you can see where it follows from Treasury's view that there's a couple places where that, that you know, hierarchy in the statute hasn't been preserved in the statute and the regulations, these temporary regulations come in to protect that. And there's really two contexts that the temporary regulations identify. So one is this TCGA transition period that we'll talk about. And the other is ownership changes, changes in ownership of CFC. And what we have here is a timeline that kind of describes the TCGA transition period. And just briefly, so December 22nd, 2017, on the left side, right, that's when TCGA was enacted in the law or signed in the law. Nine days later is the end of 2017. That's the last measurement date for the transition tax under Section 965 that Nini already mentioned. Um, and then, you know, after that, beginning on January 1st, 2018, a number of provisions in tax reform become effective. For example, the DRD under Section 245 Cap A becomes immediately effective on January 1st, 2018. But other provisions don't, don't come online immediately. Um, in particular, the guilty provisions, they come online um, on the first, you know, beginning with the first tax year that begins after 2017. So for a calendar year taxpayer, that's January 1st, 2018 as well. But for a fiscal year, that's going to be later in 2018. It could be as late as December 1st, 2018. And so that period... Um, after toll charge ends and before guilty becomes effective, that's this TCGA transition period. Um, that's the focus of one of the two rules in the temporary regulations. And so, Marty, do you want to take us through a couple of examples of what Treasury was thinking about? Sure. Here? Um, on this slide um, is a, an example of the transition period that Aaron was just speaking to. Um, we have USP on CFC1 and CFC2. And CFC1 sells property down to CFC2 and realizes 100 of gain. Um, it, it's, it's part of the transition period, you, you see, because it has 1130 year ends for CFC1 and also CFC2. And so um, this is the uh, period um, that Aaron was talking about, the gap period. And it makes a distribution to the U.S. Uh, this distribution occurs 
on uh, December 1st, uh, 2018. So that's, you know, after 245A kicks in. Um, but this, the income in the system here isn't yet subject to guilty because that, that happens for years beginning after 1231.17. So the concern here on part of the Treasury is that essentially they, they feel that the income in the system, if you will, should be subject to guilty. Uh, and, and they sort of try to get you back to that result by denying the 245A DRD for a portion of it. And we'll get into those rules. But here you see that, you know, absent these rules, um, the distribution up to the U.S. would have enjoyed the 245A DRD. Um, and the rules essentially give you a 50% DRD in this case. And basically, I guess the Treasury's concern is that the income isn't subject to toll charge and it's not subject to guilty. And that's why there's a question of whether it should qualify for 245 cap A. Yep, absolutely. Um, and the next example is a, an example of the ownership change that Aaron mentioned, the sort of the second set of these rules. And, and this happens also that the similar concern is, you know, is the, is the right amount of the income being picked up in the, in the U.S. tax base from Treasury's perspective. And, and here with, when you have a change in ownership here, we have U.S. 1 selling CFC 1 to U.S. 2. Um, essentially, the way that the current rules work before these temp regs came out um, is essentially U.S. 2 being the, the last shareholder on the year would pick up the, the, the sub F or the guilty. In this case, in this example, and, and for that matter, I think on all the examples in the deck, we're assuming all the property um, is uh, guilty um, uh, property and, and all the property is is um, um, guilty EMP unless unless we specifically note but so so typically us2 would pick up the guilty income of CFC1 but it's reduced um, under the 951a2b rules um, by the uh, 1248 slash dividend that us1 uh, realized when it sold us uh, CFC1 over to us2 and you know so this one's interesting Marty so, so as you noted you know the general rule is the last US shareholder, that owns the CFC on the last day of the tax year is the one who ends up with the subpart F for mm -hmm. guilty inclusion. Here, that's US two. Um, if US two was a foreign buyer, though, right, and you know CFC one lost CFC status as a result of the sale, well, then US one would be the last US shareholder. It would have the inclusion mm -hmm. as part of the sale, and so it's only because. And, and, and so what that would mean is there wouldn't be this untaxed earnings to result in the 1248 dividend. There would just be the guilty inclusion at the U.S. level. It's only because the CFC status continues after the sale that that 1248 dividend, you know, but for these temporary regulations, enjoys the DRD and, and ends up in this circumstance where um, the tested income, you know, the kind of guilty earnings at the CFC level become subject to 245 cap A instead of, instead of guilty. Right. And, and the rule that Marty referred to, which is a 951A2, makes sense in the old world before 245 cap A to make sure that there's no double taxation of the income. So if the first, the seller, it picks up the income already, then the, the, the second seller, who sec, the, the buyer, the second U.S. shareholder that owns the, the shares at the end of the year who would pick up the income would not be taxed on the earnings that have already been distributed. But now the income that the first U.S. shareholder has is um, eligible for 245 cap A for exemptions. And Marty, can I ask you a question? Um, as, as, as we look at the examples that you've walked through and they're fairly broad, 
Can you tell us how significant you think these 245 Cap A rules will be on taxpayers and on transactions? Yeah, so, so the, the first set of the rules apply to just a gap period, and, you know, that's a defined period, but, um, you know, it, it, those rules travel with you as well. Um, so once you have an ED amount, um, you, you, you then have, um, well, you have an ED account um, that will travel with the stock. So anytime, you know, that stock is transferred now, um, it will have to track you know, the ED account to that stock. And, and so just in ordinary course transactions, uh, you know, that'll have to be tracked uh, as we go forward here. And then the extraordinary reduction rules that we'll get into that deal with the, um, the changes in ownership, the second set of rules, I mean, that those can apply in, in many common fact patterns. And anytime you have a sale or a, a dilution of a CFC stock, um, they can come into play. Thanks, Marty. I think that's very helpful to pause there for a minute and highlight those and highlight the differences that we're, we're seeing or the transactions that could be affected. Let's continue on. And Nini, will you take us through um, a little bit more of an overview of the temporary regulations? Yeah. So uh, as Marty and Aaron talked about, there are two key things that the, the, the regulations are trying to touch upon. One is the transition period earnings. And Basically, the, the, the regulations provide that the, the dividend received deduction under 245 Cap A or the CFC look through uh, under 954 C6 uh, in the case of a, a CFC uh, dividend is going to be haircut by 50% uh, in, in, in the case where the, the distributions are out of earnings that are from uh, the non-ordinary course disposition of the tested income producing property during the transition period. And, and the key thing so to highlight here is this is dealing with the transition period transaction. So anything that falls within the non-ordinary course disposition during the transition period would fall into this rule. And then distributions uh, made after that point in time, because so it could be now, it could be in the future, could be subject to this rule. And, and I think that the 50% the deduction, just to point out here why uh, the, the regulations are providing a 50% haircut, is essentially to bring the, the, the taxation more in line with the, in, with the guilty provision where you are eligible for uh, Section 250 deduction for corporate um, taxpayers. And, and so the, the rules are trying to make sure that the earnings are taxed at least at, at the same guilty rate. The second um, part of the regulations deal with the, the ownership changes. And this is where the, the DRD and the CFC look through is essentially eliminated completely to the extent that the, the distributing CFC's income, subpart of income or tested income that would have been taken into account by the U.S. shareholder is actually not taken into account as a result of the, the, the change in the ownership. Um, so, so that takes away the, the the exemption or the, the look-through exception completely, but the rules provide for an election that taxpayers can make to instead close the tax year of the CFC on the date of the of the reduction in, in the ownership to, to essentially allow the, the, the seller to pick up the income because then it would be the shareholder at the end of the year of the of the CFC and therefore it, it will just 
pick up the income under subpart F or guilty regime as opposed to having the extraordinary reduction um, uh, transaction. So this, this slide covers what is actually proposed in the technical correction bill. So we have the temporary regulations now, but, but prior to these rules being issued, um, Chairman Brady of the House and Ways and Means Committee uh, issued, released a, a draft technical correction to the TCJA back in January of this year, which attempt to address um, similar issues around the transition period earnings and the ownership changes, but in a slightly different direction. So with respect to the transition period earnings, so earnings that are earned post the measurement date of uh, the toll charge, but before guilty is applicable, the, the, the draft um, technical correction was suggesting an extension of the, the 965 toll charge provision to apply to these earnings when, when there are extraordinary disposition. So while the temporary regulations suggest a, or provide for a, a essentially denial of some of the 245 cap A uh, dividend exemption, the, the technical correction was suggesting extending the, the 965 toll charge to these earnings. On the ownership changes, the, the, the technical correction bill was suggesting that maybe the, the U, U.S. shareholders should be picking up the subpart F and guilty income not only when, when it owns the CFC on the last day, but at, at any time during the taxable year to the extent um, uh, that there are some... Uh, the distribution is is uh, would be DRD eligible. So different direction here, but um, needless to say, we're 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 having the the temporary regulations now, and we have to go forward with those rules. Yeah, it's interesting, Nini. Um, it goes after the same kinds of issues that proposed technical corrections do, but they go after, as you said, in the transition period by extending toll charge, and then you know in the ownership changes by changing the pro rata share rules, um, and. I think that's a little less uh, clunky, if you will, than denying a DRD, right? It ensures that the, the guilty or, or subpart F that would be avoided in the case of an ownership change gets tagged to the to the U.S. shareholder that's um, changing their ownership interest. And, and similarly, in the transition period, if, it's, you know, if, if these earnings are of concern, it's, it's, and, and they're of concern because they're being earned before guilty becomes online, well, then it's putting them into the transition tax that applies to earnings before guilty comes online. Um, what we have next is a couple slides that compare the temporary, not, not the proposed technical corrections, but the temporary regulations to um, the provisions they're trying to get. And I think it kind of illustrates um, this, um, how the regulations get close to, but maybe not quite to where Treasury is trying to get conceptually, right? So in the transition period, um, you know, Treasury's talking in the preamble talks about trying to get these earnings to a spot where they would have been if subject to guilty or toll charge. And you can see on the table, you know, if they were subject to toll charge, it would have been an eight to fifteen and a half percent rate, depending on depending on uh, your cash position. If it was guilty, it would generally be a ten and a half percent rate, subject to this kind of two fifty a two taxable income limitation. Um, it's a 10.5% rate effectively under the temporary regulations because as Nini said and as Marty said, there's only a 50% uh, loss of the DRD. So half of, half of the earnings are tax-free because of the remaining dividends received deduction. The other half 
are, are taxable at 21% rate, but it's only half, so it's 10 and a half. But what, what I think is very interesting and, and different is when you deny the DRD, there's no availability for foreign tax credits generally with respect to what is a taxable dividend. And that's very different than guilty where there are foreign tax credits allowed, haircut, right, by 20%, um, as well as your inclusion percentage. Um, or, or, you know, even in the toll charge context, foreign tax credits are allowed, albeit at, you know, at readily haircut. Um, and, and similarly, so that's the extraordinary disposition rules, but it's a similar case on these ownership change rules or the extraordinary reduction rules, um, denying the entire DRD at a 21% rate with no credits is similar to imposing a 21% tax on subpart F if that's avoided, um, but not quite the same because you're losing those credits. And if it's, if it's tested income that you're avoiding, well, then it's very different. It's a 21% rate on the dividend versus only 10 and a half. Um, on guilty, and again, without the loss of credits. So you can see conceptually, Treasury's trying to get um, to a space similar to, you know, for example, those proposed technical corrections that you described, Nini. Um, but I think mechanically, it doesn't quite get there because we're simply denying a DRD and not going any further. Um, so maybe one other piece, um, and I spoke, su suspect folks will want to think about this, but it's, it's worth talking about before we get into the mechanics of the temporary regulations, is the regulatory authority. Right, um, because you know, if, if you read Section 245 Cap A, uh, you will not find these rules in the statute. Um, but what you will find, and what the, the temporary regulation preamble points out, is a grant of regulatory authority under 245 Cap A G to carry out the provisions of Section 245 Cap A. You also find grants of regulatory authority in Section 705A and 954 C6A um, that the preamble points to, and you know. Treasury describes its authority for writing these regulations as, you know, based on carrying out Congress's intent for a interrelated international system coming out of tax reform, right? Treasury views the various international reforms that came out as part of TCGA as interlocking together to form a new baseline for what the U.S. international tax rules are that I kind of described earlier. Um, and these temporary regulations are carrying out that baseline or preserving it uh, by ensuring that earnings are not benefiting from the DRD when really they should have been subject to guilty or toll charge or subpart F. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, the, the preamble discussion of this regulatory authority. I, I, I know, Marty and Nini, you're going to have thoughts on this, um, but it's definitely a point of conversation folks are having. The other point of conversation um, that folks are having on regulatory authority is the effective date um, that, that Nini, you mentioned, you know, and, and of course, there's authority for retroactive regulations under Section 1705B, including retroactive regulations to the date of recent legislation if the regulations come out within 18 months of the legislation. And of course, these regulations came out on June 14th, so just within 18 months of the TCGA being signed into law. Um, there again, I think it's, it's interesting uh, to think about, you know, um, Sure, these are sure. There's a grant of authority for retroactive regulations. On the, on the other hand, taxpayers, you know, took a look at the statute last year and and you know, engaged in transactions based on that, and and now they're finding uh, the consequences of what they've already done. Sometimes what they've already filed on a return are very different than what what they thought, and very different than what they could have anticipated. Um, and so, Marty Nini, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on on that as well. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it goes to the fundamental issue, Aaron, as to like how, how you view what happened uh, with TCGA. You know, was this a move to a territorial system, as you've been discussing, with a backstop, with the broadening of the anti-base uh, anti, um, erosion rules? Um, or was this like a move to um, everything's taxed and, and 245 is applying at the residual as Treasury's putting forth here? Um, and, and, and as you as you allude to, I mean, it, it, it is difficult, right? We're, we're well past, you know, many, some of these periods and, 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 and taxpayers were applying the rules as they, they thought applied. And, um, you know, Treasury did touch on some of these rules um, and certain of the 965 guidance, but, but none of the rules that, that we have in these temp regs were sort of alluded to. And I think they clearly care a lot about this because they spent time, significant time, articulating that in the preamble. So I think they, they probably can see that that's the spot where taxpayers could challenge um, the validity of all of this. Yep. Perfect. And maybe you've all alluded to this a little bit. I'd like to throw a question out to the whole panel is, the question, the polling question talks about Congress's role. Um, you've talked a little bit about Treasury's role in 245 Cap A, but can you guys give a little bit more background on how they viewed their authority to issue these regs and any other points that you'd throw out there for taxpayers to consider? Well, so, you know, one thing I'll say, Julie, um, it, it, it's, you know, been no secret Treasury's been concerned with these areas for a while. I think, you know, within a month of the bill being signed into law, Treasury was out in, you know, kind of the speaking circuit, if you will, talking to taxpayers about, um, hey, we have concerns about, you know, certain cases where it appears the, the DRD is available and, and whether it should be um, you know, Treasury worked with, and, and you know, Nini, you mentioned former Chairman Brady's discussion draft on technical corrections. Um, that, that discussion draft talks about Treasury working with folks on the Hill to develop technical corrections, and, you know, certainly the Hill's been active in that respect. Um, so there's definitely been, you know, I, I think um, kind of a piece of the atmosphere that Treasury feels that something needs to be done here, and, and they've been expressing that. Um, and I think, you know, these regulations kind of manifest what they think needs to be done. Um, you know, and I agree with you, Nini, carefully thinking through what they can do in light of authority. That's helpful. Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would add is the interesting thing is this Treasury made a decision to draw the line, sorry, Congress has made a decision to draw the line on the, the measurement dates for 965. And, you know, that's something. And, and essentially all the rules, whether in the technical correction draft or the current rules, it, it's kind of moving around that a little bit. Uh, and so I, I think it's it's hard to say, you know, what the intent is and 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 how how you would try to close all these when clearly the effective dates in the, the, the bill um, allow for these things to happen. Well, based on the polling results, it seems the audience is also struggling with identifying exactly. what Congress's intent was. Exactly, exactly. I would agree. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please contact the speakers. You can find their contact information in the description of this episode. Thank you.